So that was probably the most significant uh, fork in my, um, you know, in my life and where I've, where I've ended up and where I would have ended up. Uh, my father, who's a very senior officer in the Indian Army, so he was very disappointed uh, when I said, no, I... Welcome to Tea Talks, where we dive into the stories behind the leaders shaping our world. I'm your host, TJ Walia. Our next guest is a technology leader, a product thinker, and an entrepreneur. He is a former corporate vice president of Microsoft, where he has held various roles in AI, communication, networking, including the Skype business. Gurdeep, welcome to Tea Talks. Thank you. Thank you. Gurdeep, before we get into the conversation, I'd love for you to give us a quick introduction about who you are and, uh, and your background, please. Yeah. Well, I'm, a, I'm I guess, a technologist. Um, I was very fortunate to find uh, something that really, uh, really was you know, very, very exciting to me personally, very early in my career and and was very fortunate to get some uh, pretty uh, incredible opportunities. Um, I grew up in India, went to engineering school there and then came for grad school to the US. And then uh, after finishing grad school in computer science, I started at Microsoft. That was, uh, you know, 34 years ago and uh, I retired a few months ago. Wow. Wow. Congratulations on that. So it's an incredible journey to uh, and a dream for many, right? A dream for many, especially uh, seeing, you know, how our community is in India as well to say, hey, listen, I'm going to get my education, go abroad, get that dream job, and then be able to do that. And that too with an organization like Microsoft. So congratulations on that. That is, that is absolutely incredible. Well, thank you. I've been very, very fortunate. Yeah. And so, so part of this journey, I'd love to, uh, you know, pick, pick uh, some areas to, to understand more for myself and for our listeners. And that first question I'll usually gravitate towards is that pivotal moment. Uh, we, we all have some sort of pivotal moment that we cross in our lives or sometimes multiple times. Do you have one that you can reflect back on that says, you know what, that moment, if I made, if I made a different decision, maybe things would have been different. Do you have something you can share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first moment for me came in uh, when I was 16 years old and I was in high school in India where um, I come from a family of army uh, folks, um, Indian army. And uh, I took the exam to join the Indian army as an officer and I got in and uh, I was supposed to join what, four weeks. And at that time I decided that I'm not going to do it um, because I was in, in 12th grade and, you know, I figured that I should not pick too early and I ought to give myself, you know, at least an opportunity to explore slightly wider. So that was a pretty important moment. And um, frankly, the whole family was ready for me to join the army. They were very excited. Uh, my father, who's a very senior officer in the Indian army, was very excited. So he was very disappointed uh, when I said, no, I want to finish my 12th grade. Maybe I'll look at some of my options. So, so that was probably the most significant uh, fork in my, uh, you know, in my life and where, I, where I've ended up and where I would have ended up. Um, yeah. So that would be probably the most significant. Wow. So help me walk me through that decision-making process, right? Because obviously you've got a lot of pressure. Uh, and when we look at from a cultural perspective that, you know, um, being Indian and, and being out of um, Indian backgrounds and, uh, and families, and then on top of that, you have a layer of army uh, discipline that's coming into the family, right? So walk me through what that decision-making was 
in terms of you standing up and saying, hey, this is what I want to do, uh, or this isn't the right thing for me because of these reasons. Like, help me understand what that conversation was at home. Yeah, it was uh, definitely it was something really out of character and probably out of really everything that was sort of expected of me and what I expected of myself, frankly. Um, but what was going on at the same time was that I, I was in high school in Calcutta and it was a, a, a very, very interesting open environment. And I was going to a, a very uh, popular high school, which from where students regularly came to the U.S. to study and some you know, got scholarships to MIT and other schools to study. And so this was my peer group outside of my home and family. And, and uh, you know, as I was sort of interacting with them, I was realizing that, you know, the world is a really, really big place. And, and that sort of led me down the path of, am I choosing too early? And the reality was it was too early. I was 16 years old and I had no clue what I really wanted to do with my life. And my prefrontal cortex was obviously not very well developed either. So it just, it was a, one of those snap things. And I decided that I'm going to go, uh, you know, to say, so, so I made a deal with my dad that I'm going to finish my 12th grade and I'm going to take uh, exams to enter one of the colleges in India. And if I don't get into those colleges, um, I will also take the army entrance again. And, and if I don't, any of those charges don't work out, I will actually go to that. So that was the deal he agreed to with me. And I did that. I took the entrance exams. I took the army exam again. I got into army again and I got into an engineering college at the same time. So I took that path. And I was one amazing, of the first amazing. people engineering. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I love, I love what you're saying and, and being that self-aware of this might not be the right path right now, or there's more to explore. Um, I'd love for you to kind of elaborate a little bit more on, and if, if you have any, any, any learnings from this, of uh, what is that right time, especially for some of their young listeners that are listening in as well, what is that right time to say, you know what, maybe this is the decision I have to go in with, or, you know, what, I've got the flexibility to change as I go along. But what does that look like for you and from your perspective? Well, I think this is there is a very important lesson here, and I think that lesson is something that I have uh, used again and again in my life, which is that you are ultimately accountable for, you know, the choices you make. You so that means that you have to make these choices intentionally. That means you have to put in the work of figuring out what you really want to do and what you don't want to do, and then you have to have the courage of following through with that because you are ultimately accountable. I cannot, you know say, oh, well, the man made me do it, right? I mean, that is not how you are going to live your life. Uh, certainly, you know, maybe as a child that works, but, you know, when you're an adult, you really have to find, and I've done that again and again. I've made choices in my career at Microsoft where my peers were looking at me and saying, what is wrong with you, man? Are you okay? <laughs> like, why are you making these choices? And and uh, I... Yeah, I made those choices because that was the right thing for me to do. And I was not going to live by, you know, some definition of the successful executive career written by somebody. Uh, I was going to live by, you know, what I can sort of, you know, go to sleep with at night and with the choices that I made. So I think this, you know, be, being intentional and, you know, being in charge of your sort of career 
given all the choices that are presented to you. And sometimes they're great choices, sometimes they are not great choices. But you have to really step up and be accountable. So it was probably the you know the first time I had done that, you know, at that age. But I continue to do that. <clears throat> That's that's incredible. And it, it takes me back to, you know, the, the point you're making about you have to sleep at night. And, and I remember early in my career, uh, I, I won't name the company, but I was in a position where I was managing a, a few team members and our executive team did not like that particular team lead that I used to have. So they told me to terminate him. I was going to terminate him based on the right conditions and uh, because of the work that was happening, feedback, et cetera. However, they made a decision which to me was not ethical. And they said, we're not going to terminate him, but we're going to demote him so that he doesn't. So there's no payout required for this individual. And he'll kind of get up and leave on his own. That day, Gurdjieff, I actually, instead of terminating the person, wrote my own resignation letter. And I resigned and said, I'm not going to sleep well after this. So this is not a decision I'm going to make. But instead, I left that, that, that job and went on to obviously find other work. It took me several months to do so. But it was a decision that my parents at home and said, what are you doing? Like, why are you picking this fight for someone else? I said, listen, I can't sleep at night with this. It's my fight. And, yeah. and that's exactly what you, what you just kind of said. It's like, if it's, you have to be accountable for your actions. No one yeah. else is going to you know, make you do things. And that authenticity is so important. You know, we talk about uh, diversity and I think diversity is in many, many forms. I think it's the diversity of every person's self and authenticity is also very important. I think that is the, the culture of any system or any entity is not defined by homogenization of a particular point of view that everybody sort of falls in line with. Maybe that works in the army, okay? I mean, but they have a very specific purpose where, um, you know, the stakes are sort of very, very different. But it does not work in, certainly in, you know, I think the workplace of today um, or any other entity, you know, be an educational institution, et cetera. So uh, I think that authenticity is very important. And it's the collection of all these different things that makes the world tick, frankly. Yeah, and, and I think to your point about it working in the army, but even then it's situational. When it's you know high stakes situation, it works then, absolutely. But throughout, it's not like everything's authoritative. They're actually taking input responses and collaborating. There's all of that's happening, but it's only at game time that it's like, hey, listen, this is how we're going. And everyone falls into that role and understands that, right? So that's, that's, that's what I meant. That's absolutely yeah. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. That's awesome. That's incredible. Um, so I, I want to switch into, um, you know, with, we're talking about the work, we're talking about busy, the decision making, um, work-life balance, right? So the, the, the careers that, you know, we've, we've had and the paths that we've been on have been very demanding. They're, they're, they're not easy to come by. So it's, you know, it's a lot of work that goes into things, a lot of decision making. Again, like you said, some are, are great decisions, some are not so great decisions. But all of that takes a toll on us, but it also has an impact on how much we work and how we work. So from a work-life balance perspective, what are your thoughts on how you personally manage such demands, especially, you know, well, coming into a, a new nation, uh, building your family, building the ecosystem, building all of that and building your career at the same time? Just love to get your perspective there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the my... my uh, own experience has been no different than that of an immigrant. Uh, a lot of folks like me have come, you know, from India, other countries. They come 
to the U.S., it's not just about getting education. It is about getting a job. It is about getting your, uh, you know, uh, the permission to live, stay and live in the country. Um, so, you know, it was certainly a very, um, I would say, high stakes um, sort of a, you know, a place to be. And um, the first, after I joined Microsoft, I think the first 10 years, uh, it was completely, entirely dedicated to Microsoft. Like as a single, you know, technical person going up, um, I would say fairly rapidly up the career chain, um, you know, I was working six to seven days a week. You know, I would get into work by 10, 10, 30 and leave at one in the morning. I mean, this was my uh, my career. And, you know, of course, Microsoft was a very different place back then. And the te technology industry was a very different then. So much was happening. And, you know, you... You know, not only, you know, we were driven in that way, but there was the opportunity was you didn't you had FOMO. You didn't want to miss out on this great stuff that is happening. And if you found that, oh, you're working on something slightly on the side, immediately you're corrected and moved to the center of the action. And but, it, you know, so that was sort of the first chapter, if you will. Um, and I mean, I, I give it everything I had. Uh, and, you know which sort of set me on my, my career trajectory for sure. And I think, you know, if anything, I, that's the phase I probably have the least regret about. Yeah, I probably had, you know, could have, if I had a little bit more time, I could have continued some of my hobbies. I could have maybe traveled more. Um, but that was the piece I have least, you know, least regrets about. The next phase was really, you know, kids, getting married, having kids. And uh, kids were young and, and so on and so forth. And, and that phase... You know, it started off with, you know, being tough, trying to balance things. And, um, you know, I, yeah, when my second uh, son was born, I was promoted to CVP. Uh, and, you know, and I was in a very communications business, right? I mean, I was this really hot, rapidly growing area with lots of attention inside the company, outside the company. And so that, that was tough. And then it got increasingly it was the sort of the frog boiling you know kept going up kept going up until i took over skype and and link and skype for business what eventually became uh, teams and started the teams effort and that was where i reached my breaking point you know i was uh, trying to straddle multiple continents i was running the company the, the entire business which is about 3000 people it was you know about 2.8 billion at the time, growing 30%. I mean, it was, and the expectations of trying to build a competitive for, for Slack, uh, which is Teams, was all like going on at the same time. I totally burnt out. Um, I was trying to do two weeks in the UK, two weeks here, going back and forth, back and forth. And, and I, I just burnt out. I had to take a month off to try to recover. I felt I was getting chronic fatigue. Um, and I took a month off. And then um, about a year after that, um, I decided that that's when everybody said, you're crazy. What are you doing? I decided that I'm going to not run this crazy operation. I'm going to focus much more on uh, creating new, you know, looking at emergent technology, uh, which happened to be emergent AI, and to look at creating new businesses, which did not have as much of an operational overhead, but it allowed me to still contribute to the company uh, in important ways. So 
The other realization, which had also happened to me at the same time, which is more more a personal thing, not so much of a work life or my family thing, was that um, I was also realizing that, you know, I like to think and I like to imagine new things and new areas and new places where the company can grow. And in some ways, that's what I had done um, quite successfully within the company. So I realized like when running these large businesses, I didn't even get 5% of my time to focus on that. Because I was focused on all the operational aspects, you know, scorecards, reviews, people, um, com- competition, you know, just rather than actually the, the, you know, sort of the the piece of creation, which I something that gives me a lot of juice, and I'm even doing that after leaving Microsoft. So that was probably the you know the hardest, toughest time personally from a work life perspective, and also the time where you know again taking accountability like i couldn't say hey you know i i somebody else is doing this to me <laughs> yeah you know there was a choice i could make yes the choice had conse- every choice has consequences and um and that choice meant that i'm not going to be in an operating role subsequently i was again offered operating roles after we said okay well he needs some time let him work on this then we're going to pull him back and i i turned that down uh that that that's amazing and so bold of you to to do that and and recognize that and that's something that not everyone can easily make that decision on and and going back to you know your experience with that burnout and then taking that burnout as a sign and saying listen i i, I can't continue to do it this way but then to go up against everyone again and say listen this is not what i want to do this is not what's right for for me this is not what's right for Gurdeep Bhai. so having the courage to do that because a lot of times we feel the pressure and say, I'm, I'm, I have to own up and I have to do this and because of these external factors. But the main aspect of it is as our own health and well-being. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm super, super thrilled to hear that you actually took that action because a lot of the times we don't. We, we have all that, those pressures that just take us forward. So uh, it yeah, takes a lot of courage. systems are set up to keep you on that, on the path. And <laughs> uh, everything is set up. But again, that is, you know, that is... That's what they're supposed to do. That yes. doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. There are times when those things align, and that's wonderful. But um, you know, eventually you have to sort of you know confront this. Otherwise, you're you'll be made to confront this. There will be Absolutely. things happening to you, and um, um, and that that's it's very hard. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, maybe I'm making it sound too simple. That oh, really, you just need to. But it's very, very hard in the moment. In um, yeah, yeah, no. And you're so to your point of you're made to you know confront. This is what happened to me, right? In uh, in 2014, when I fainted at a customer meeting, like that was my threshold. I was burnt out. I kept on going, going until the body said we're done, right? So there is a point where you everyone you know stops at. And uh, once I recovered back from that, got back onto you know, onto the right track. Took several years because those kind of episodes leave a leave a mark in your in your head and in uh, in, in how you operate on day to day. I started approaching it again a couple of years ago. And when I started approaching it, I saw the signs this time. I said, "Nope, I'm backing out now, so that I don't get to that stage." And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and you have to make those decisions um, for free. The other thing, really, what you have to watch out for is that. You know, there is no, there is really nobody in the world who has your um, 
situation, exactly your situation. So it's not like, you know, this, I hate this thing about role models and this, that, and the other. I mean, everybody is solving a different trade-off equation. And you, they are not you. They are not, you are not them, right? I mean, you know, and, and so you, if you start into the mode of, well, well, that person was somehow able to do it. Uh, well, I promise you that, you know, maybe the choices that person, or the, you know, the consequences they chose would maybe something you would not be happy with. So you have to really, you know, sort of pull back and, and uh, you know, come back to that place of, you know, uh, comfort and <laughs> that this is, this is really what it is. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the common line we have, we use in customer services, you know, put yourself in that person's shoes. And I was having a conversation with my daughter just yesterday, actually. We were um, having, a, you know, a nice one-on-one -on -one conversation. We went to Starbucks and, and I said to her, I said, listen, like, I know you're young. You're trying to learn all of this. You're trying to be like dad and you're trying to aspire to do this. And I said, listen, one thing that I will never be able to do is to see the world from your lens. And the one thing you'll never be able to do is see the world from my lens. So you have to live your journey the way you live it. And you have to take those experiences and make those decisions on your own, right? And that's mm -hmm. essential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, this is, uh, this is, you know, great. I, I, I'd love to keep delving into this topic, but from a timing perspective, I want to make sure we're, we're mindful. The next area, Gurdjieff, I want to jump into is mentorship. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, because mentorship can be very transformative. It could, um, it could help people. It can make or break people, right? It can get you opportunities that uh, you might not even see or think about. What, what has mentorship, what kind of role has mentorship played in, in your journey? Yeah, you know, I have to say I was pretty skeptical of the value of mentorship um, for, for quite a bit, long time in my career. Um, and then I saw, um, not formally, but somewhat informally, you know, I got into moments where I was mentored and how helpful it was. Because... You know, regardless of how self-aware you are, regardless of how much you think you know everything around you, um, there are always always things. There's always new information, new wisdom, new perspectives that um, you know that can help you. Um, the challenge is, you know, how do you get to a place with your mentor where? you're able to get to those things. Because a lot of times your conversation can be shallow or conversation can be, you know, like the mentor just talking off randomly about what they, you know, their view of the world, et cetera, but it's not what you need, right? So it's, and then you may or may not have the courage to actually ask or even, and, and so what I found is that it's a very valuable thing, immensely valuable, uh, but you have to have that, trust with the person and somehow you have to get to that place with that person where, you know, they are really invested in you and you have the ability to really open up in the way um, with them. And I think the value can really, really flow. Um, I've been doing that a lot, you know, um, yeah, since, since I've had that, I've, you know, I think mentored quite a few people and still continue to do that inside and outside Microsoft. Yeah, I like that. You're you're talking about getting being able to tap into that knowledge one, but that also means that you have to open yourself out there and put yourself out there one and open yourself up so you can build that two way relationship, right? We can't expect a mentor to just say, "Hey, dump, give me a brain dump of everything you know," and if they don't understand what you're going through, your challenge, they can't relate to any of that. 
And, and mentorship doesn't necessarily have to be a one-on-one conversation. It can be a book, right? Your mentor could be an author of a book that you're reading and you're walking through their journey and learning, especially if you're going through those challenges. Totally. And, it, you know, it's, I will say it's a little harder with the book because, you know, the, the, it, the burden of actually trying to find the lesson that is pertinent to your particular situation is now completely on you. I think if you're working with a mentor, there's two people who are trying to solve the problem. Uh, coming right. at it from two different ends. So, uh, yes, it is absolutely possible. And I would say that a lot of the sort of the mentorship in the book is actually serendipitous. And it is, you know, more in terms of uh, acquisition of wisdom, uh, which then uh, can be tapped upon later when different situations arrive. But in the moment, it's sometimes hard to do that with a book. Absolutely. No, absolutely agree. It's it's more of a one-way, but you're really pushing yourself in those thought processes versus someone who can correct and navigate and guide you through all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, then as you were, you were speaking, it reminded me of um, something that Satya really believes in, which is be a learn it all, not a know it all. Right. So that mentorship aspect is huge where you're trying to absorb as much information in learn and then apply. And the application is a big component of it as well. So not just taking that input and then not doing anything with it, uh, which a lot of times we do see as well, because sometimes that feedback can be taken in a negative manner or or whatnot. Instead, take it as constructive, start applying those changes, and then following that path, and that eventually will lead you to the results that we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, and you know the environment also. Like, I mean, this this lentil is like a whole. We can spend so much time on it because I've seen the culture of the company, you know, through three different CEOs, and I reported yeah. to two of them. I mean. I can tell you the, yeah, that is a whole topic in itself. But the the key thing there is that the environment there really has to support this idea too. You know, if the expectation is that you have to be the know-it-all all the time because you are the leader, uh, then yeah. you know, it'll prevent you from being a learn-it-all. That's seen as a, a weakness or a vulnerability, you know. Uh, and, and so the culture has to support that. So that's a whole, you know, I think interesting topic. Yeah, that's that is quite fascinating, right? Because we we hear it coming from the top down, but how do you you know what happens with the people at the top? Like how are they really um, managing that? So maybe we'll save that for another conversation for uh, for T talks on that uh, that topic on itself. Um, you talked about the five percent that you were talking about, where you know your innovation and the ideation that you love, but everything else that ninety five percent went into everything else, and that goes into productivity for me, right? Productivity is a big component. Um, staying on top of all of those things, getting things done. Is there a practice that you have that you've lived by that's found that you found to be very, very remarkable in getting you out of situations where it's like, I need to get productive. I need to get my thinking hat on. Let's go and get some things done versus, you know, what, what are your strategy there versus just, you know, letting things go as they, as they do. Yeah. I think the main thing is that you have to create the headspace where you can do that kind of work. And so that means many realizations go into that. Like that kind of work is important to me. That can, I need to, it is a high priority for me. It is important to my success. It is important for my own growth and satisfaction. And once you have gotten to that point, then you explicitly make space for it. Bill Gates used to do his think weeks, you know, and I remember you would all write papers and hope that they'll get selected for Bill Gates to read and think week. This is in the 90s. 
and uh, and it was a big event and then he would pick some papers and then because he would take the entire week he would go to his place in hot canal here and he would just day to night he would just read and he would mark up and then he would send his comments back and that was his way of doing it and but you know one week in a year i mean just dedicating i think it's a little difficult i would say i don't think there is any job in the world where if you didn't take one day a week doing this or to put it another way if you can carve out one day a week i think it every job regardless of what you do i think will benefit from that now obviously if your job is to be operating the lever uh, you can't take a day off for that your manager will never allow that you're measured by the number of times the lever gets pulled and you know <laughs> within some latency or whatever um but i think you have to be able to try and carve that kind of a time out and that's been my best practice uh, sometimes done as two half days in a week sometimes a full day in a week and and it is like especially like i'm um, you know currently for the last 8 years i've been ai with you know after the deep learning stuff has taken off i mean for me the only way i can keep up is by reading papers by writing my own code because sometimes these things are so dense and esoteric that if you don't write your own code you don't understand them um and and then just reading the papers which are very dense reading literature reading people's points of views about um you know what is happening so that is not only very satisfying to me i think it is essential for my my success it's important for my growing because you know if you're in the tech industry you have to be relevant all the time you you cannot be you know hey i co-authored the first vpn in the world so i can <laughs> you know i don't need to do anything else in my life i mean i i need to be reminded that i did that you know like recently after 25 year anniversary of vpns some reporters reached out to me and said oh shit yeah yeah i remember doing that <laughs> but you know now but that's means nothing now right you know uh it's only what matters is am i whatever i'm focused on you know it doesn't mean i have to be everybody has to be focused on ai but let's say you're in, you know looking at at virtual reality mixed reality augmented reality whatever let's say those are things you're looking at you're looking at crypto or you're looking at um um you know programming languages and how they evolving you have to stay on top of it and um yeah that that's what i would say yeah I, so i love that i love carving out that uh, that one day just for that strategic component like that's that's um and you know and even while i was at microsoft and we tried to do you know those meeting free days they very very rarely work right it's you always have something that comes in so having that environment that culture and just that barrier to to build um that environment for yourself is is very important and that comes back to you know in leadership and decision making saying no sometimes say listen this is my day for this purpose I'm not taking it. Let's move this on unless it's absolutely necessary. Absolutely. My EA knew the only my boss and Satya could preempt that time. Right. So she would guard it, right? She would not let anybody get on there. <clears throat> so you have to you have to put that in place. <clears throat> Love that. Love that. Thank you very much for that uh for that Gudeep. Um all right. So now we're going to change things up a little bit. Um uh, it's time for a rapid fire segment. So good the the rules are very simple. I'll ask a question and you have to respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Tea or coffee? Coffee. Yeah. Your favorite food? 
that's a tough one, man. <laughs> a mutton curry. Mutton curry. Oh, wow. Okay. Your wake up time. Uh, six. Okay. One gadget you can't live without. My espresso machine. <laughs> Goes back to the first question with the coffee. Excellent. Uh, so given your tenure in communication side of the world, phone call or video call? Video call. Okay. Last thing you touch before going to bed? Probably my phone. Okay. One word that describes the future of AI? All-encompassing. Okay. If animals could talk, which would you want to chat with? I would love to find out why they don't get distracted by all the material things around them. <laughs> wow. Love that. Love that. Well, Guthi, thank you very much. That was it for the rapid fire question. I just want to thank you for taking the time, being here, helping our listeners understand your journey and, uh, and you taking the time to, uh, to share all these insights with us. So thank you again, Guthi. Thank you, TJ. All the best. Thank you, Gurdip, for sharing your valuable insights and experiences with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to Tea Talks for more conversations with the leaders who are shaping our future. Until next time, keep on inspiring.